0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hayward off to the dribble to the right. Aldridge switched on him. Hands to Booker. Here's Ingles who's been big in the fourth. Ingles terminates. Jazz going nowhere with it. Hood has it left side. They have Hayward guarded by Aldridge and they didn't find him. So Hood goes to work. Pulls in the lane and hits. Rodney's just terrific. 83-80. Rodney Hood in the fourth quarter with 11 points. It's Locked On Jazz for the 29th of June. How Dennis Lindsay is already ahead of the game in making deals. Group names have been rumored around the Utah Jazz. We'll dissect those. The untalked about story of Kevin Durant's free agency and a look at Bradley Beal and Dwight Howard from different perspectives. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked On Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, Radio Voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. you listen listening to Locked On Jazz, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I probably should explain that silly thing we do there, that uh, that drum roll. The backstory, because our listening audience's numbers are way up and there's new people. The backstory is that when we first started this like five years ago, I had no idea what I was doing. There's a hysterical YouTube video out there, the first one. And I used to joke, like, we don't even know we're doing any production, we don't have anything. And... Uh, so we, uh, so I just started doing that and that's now lived kind of forever. I now go around town and people do fake drum rolls to me. So, uh, that's the backstory on that, by the way. all right, I think I told you what's coming up on the show today. Uh, Dennis Lindsay's ahead of the game. We'll talk some more, uh, about the untalked about aspect of Durant's free agency. Uh, we'll look at Dwight Howard and Bradley Beal from different perspectives and we'll discuss the rumored names of Solomon Hill, Luel Dang and Jared Dudley, that are floating around uh, the Utah Jazz uh, today. Uh, the Locked On Podcast Network has a lot of really exciting things taking place. Want to update you on that and get always to the Locked On Jazz Crew. None of this would be possible without you. Uh, Locked On Knicks debuts today with Jared Dubin. Really excited to have him aboard. Locked On Thunder debuted yesterday. Has another episode uh, coming your direction today. So make sure you grab. Uh, both of those things uh, that are out there. All right, let's go to our pins across the world like we always start each and every show uh, every day with our pins across the world. You can send me your pin at dlock at zero nine at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to advertise on the program, by the way, that's the other way to let me know, dlock with an E, zero nine at gmail.com. Uh, Hi, my name's Kenny Frisch, actually. My name's David Locke, but he's Kenny Frisch, and he wants to put a, a pin in Holiday, Utah. Uh, I wanted to wait one year anniversary of tuning in, being a lockhead, as he calls it, before writing in. My jazz story starts in Rochester, New York, where I grew up a huge basketball fan. I really had no team to root for since the Royals-Kings left Rochester 25 years before I was born, and I couldn't stand to cheer for the Knicks. I had a ton of basketball love, but no team to shower my attention on. Flash forward to March of 2011, when my girlfriend, now wife, ended up matching at the University of Utah for a residency. My first thought upon hearing the news was I finally had my NBA team team to support and glad she didn't get her first choice Seattle I immediately dove into the jazz and later moved on out to Salt Lake City during the lockout I locked I uh, looked into buying a smaller ticket package and then realized season tickets wouldn't be that much more. And now my wife and I agreed to let me get season tickets for the rest is history. I'm a lucky guy. I'm now about to start my sixth season as a season ticket holder and have already attended almost 200 jazz games in person and hope the best years of my jazz fandom are yet to come. My wife's also expecting and looking forward to raising my son to be a lifelong jazz fan since I missed out on rooting them for most of my life. Thanks from Kenny Frisch at Holiday Utah via Rochester, New York. That is your pin across the world. Let's get to our tip-off story of the day, All right, so Dennis Lindsay's ahead of the game already. And let me see if I can explain this. So if you think about how you acquire talent, there's the draft. That's not any different than it's always been. And then there was free agency and trades. And the problem in free agency is that you're only choosing those players that are free agents that year. It's a limited pool. And obviously you're then bidding against other teams. So inevitably you overpay to get those players. The problem in the past with trades was the salary cap. It wasn't really an open market. You couldn't go get any player you wanted. You had to be able to match salaries. And so conversations between GMs would be, I'm interested in that player. Well, how would we possibly do it? And it it couldn't work. And a lot of times what these trades are is we'll send you two young guys for a veteran or, or something like that. Well, the veteran's making money. The young guys aren't. And so you just can't piece these things together. But for the first time in NBA history, because of the new salary cap, What you have is you have a trade market that's actually wide open, and it's why I'm so pro-trades rather than free agency. Now, the plus in free agency is, in turn, you're not giving up a player. All you're giving up is a salary cap slot uh, or that salary cap money under the cap, and the cap's so big it's almost as though you're not giving up anything this year. With that said, I still like the idea that I go pick from across the marketplace completely to go find the player that I want that matches my team and what I'm doing the best, and that's a new circumstance. For the first time ever, GMs can talk, and they just talk trade. Hey, I like this player. You know what? I like those guys. Let's get it done, and the first trade to be done in this new manner is the George Hill Jazz trade which has not been announced yet because it cannot be announced until the salary cap increases at which point the Jazz will then take George Hill into their new found salary cap space they had about 6 million George Hill makes 8 so it didn't work and so the Jazz now will take George Hill into that new salary cap space after the moratorium is over and it will be the first of kind of the new type of trades that are going to take place in the NBA this year and why the player movement has got a chance to be as dramatic uh, as everyone's talked about. But Lindsey's ahead of the game again. He was ahead of the game on the drafting of a six-six point guard and Dante Exum, who could switch. The ACL crushed that concept, but uh, and hopefully he comes back around. He's ahead of the game on the playmaking four with Trey Lyles, and he's ahead of the game of understanding what to do. So he went out and zeroed in... Uh, on a specific player in George Hill, who frankly is maybe the only player in the league to fit exactly what we wanted and got that deal done. Uh, I also just think, you know, there, and I'll explain this to you here as kind of part two of the tip off uh, of why I might just avoid, you know, free agency is so exciting and we got to go big names and all these kind of things. But I mean, some of the numbers that I'm going to play around with you and mention to you here is cra- are crazy. Um, and so let me walk through, and it's why I just I'm not sure I'm a fan uh, of free agency, in in a lot of ways. All right, so there are rumored names around the Jazz. Uh, that's kind of the tip-off story. Today we'll move to part two. There's these rumored names uh, around the Jazz right now. Uh, they they and they you know what? And I'll be honest. Uh, I know a lot of usually kind of I feel pretty comfortable knowing where the franchise sits and what's going on, and all of them make some sense. Actually, all of them. Our players that at some point or another, the Jazz have actually made inroads toward acquiring in the past. Uh, let's start with Solomon Hill. Uh, Solomon Hill is a six foot seven, 225 pound, multi positional power forward, small forward. He's the 23rd pick of the first round out of Arizona, uh, in the 2013 draft. He, he fits a little bit of the mold of, uh, the, kind of the second team draft he's not a top 10 top 15 guy like we've talked about but he's a second team draft guy first round uh his first team didn't go that well or er, La- the reason i say he makes some sense is that last year when alec perks got hurt when you f- went around the marketplace indiana had both both chase Buttinger and solomon hill that could have helped the jazz in that circumstance and and frankly, neither of them were playing at that point, and Indiana uh, became strangely reluctant to move either of them uh, because of the fact. I, I actually don't know why they just became they just did. They became strange, strangely reluctant. Uh, to move either of them. They ended up waving Chase Budinger by the end, and they're going to lose Solomon Hill in free agency. So, frankly, it's got to make you wonder a little bit about Larry Bird's uh, leadership. Solomon Hill's kind of had a weird career so far. He played 82 games and started 78 the year that Paul George got hurt. Uh, in that year, he did not shoot the ball particularly well. He shot 40%. He shot 33% from three. He did not, as I said, he did not shoot well. But he's he gave you... A really good extended sample size, twenty-four hundred minutes of work, on what it is he can or can't do. Um, he is he is tough. He's multi-positional. Uh, everybody has talked about him. Talks about a great dude, a leader. Uh, he actually is. He's a long-term piece for the Jazz. He's twenty-five years old. He's age-appropriate to match with where the Jazz are going uh, in the future. Is he defi- Is the player your? Uh, acquiring and signing the player you're hoping to get uh, for it. No, you're hoping he develops into a little bit better shooter, that if you really look at his career, he didn't play very much his rookie year. He played a lot his second year at 2,400. He played 226 minutes his rookie year, didn't play at all. Then he played 2,400 minutes at 23, and he only played 860 minutes last year. So you're hoping that he actually can build off that one year in which he's played a lot and see that he can become something. Uh, in regards to his pack rating, which, for, if you're new to the show, is points above average created. I'm a big believer that everyone, you want a roster of positive pack players. He was a negative 0. .5 in, uh, uh, two years ago when he played a lot last year. He was a zero. He was an even pack player. And you're obviously hoping you can develop a shot and get him to evolve and play a little bit during game. He's tough defensively. You're looking for him as your fourth or fifth wing. And... Um... The Rumor is he could get anywhere from ten to twelve million. There's no way, right? It just doesn't make any sense. How can a guy, who, who right? And so you, you gotta assume the market cools down on that. But the minute two or three teams decide they want Solomon Hill and they're bidding for him, then you're into you're into a nutcase with the amount of free agency money that's out there right now. I know that's crazy. All right, Luol Deng is uh, someone the Jazz have acquired about in the past. Uh, he's 30 years old. He brings that same toughness. He brings experience. He brings leadership. He's really multidimensional now, in the sense he's almost an exclusively a stretch four in a lot of ways. Uh, his game changed crazy in Miami. Uh, he shot uh, of his he shot 223s and 256 threes in his two years in Miami. Uh, he's a little worn down because of the Thibodeau factor, uh, but he's a, he's been there. He's a veteran. He's a leader. He's been around. Uh, he brings that essence to you. His pack rating last year was a positive 0.1. So he's not, you know, a crazy game changing offensive player, but he is a positive pack player. The year before, his pack rating was positive 0.7. Uh, he took 22% of his shots as threes two years ago and 28% last year while still going to the free throw line 9% of the time. It's pretty appealing. Uh, he didn't shoot it incredibly well uh, last year. He shot at thirty four percent the year before. He shot at thirty five percent. He's a career thirty three percent shooter. I think that's kind of who he is. But that he brings a toughness, a positional versatility. He can play the three or the four. Uh, and he, you know, he started seven hundred and seventy six games in his career. He really brings you uh, an element. Uh, de- and I would say that's a top down depth move on Luol Deng. Uh, and you know you may start him and then bring other guys off the bench uh, the expectation on on dang is 12 14 15 million dollars a year Question is how many years Jared Dudley's being talked about uh with the as well, another... It fits, right? These are all multi-positional players. This guy, this is the best shooter of the group, 6'7", He's played anywhere from shooting guard to small forward to power forward in small lineups. He shot 42% from three last year for Washington. There's an interesting aspect to him that, for whatever reason, he's been on four teams in four years. That's always a red flag to me. Like, well, why didn't anyone keep him when he's shooting 39% from three in his career, 40% three-point shooter? That seems strange. Um, but... He's, you know, he brings a lot of things. Again, his versatility. He's got leadership aspects because he's been there before. He does not have extensive, uh, playoff experience. He played 16 games for Phoenix with Steve Nash's crew. He played a little bit for the Clippers and a little bit for Milwaukee. So he doesn't have that same type of experience. He's being talked about at 9 to 10 million a year. Uh, John Lore is another name that has been mentioned I've mentioned him a lot and I got to be honest I love John Lore I think he's cuz I want a shooting five and yet every single time I talk about John Lore on the air the one thing that keeps coming back to me is I wonder if he's any good like you don't really know he played 500 minutes his rookie year in Milwaukee. They moved him after seeing him for one year, decided they didn't need him anymore. He then went to Toronto. Where he played 28 games. Then he went to Cleveland for nine. Then he goes to Memphis. They had him for two years, barely played him, let him go. He goes to Phoenix, who was god-awful last year, and he plays really well. And he shoots 38 threes. He's only taken 200 threes in his career. You're, you're taking a 27-year-old who virtually hasn't played. Um. But he has the 38% threes, he's shooting five. You think about, you know, I mean, he spent D-League time. Uh, he played in the D-League, and I think he might have even played, I'm trying to look, he was with a Canton Charge, so that means he was coached by Alex Jensen uh, for a while in the D-League. And, I mean, again, and like he's being talked about as having multiple suitors and being nine to $10 million a year. Dudley is very supposedly hot. Brooklyn is a po- heavy possibility for Jared Dudley. So those are the names and it's just gonna be very, very difficult. It's why I kinda of circle back and say, as I have numerous times, why not gamble on Rudy Gay? The it's only one year, uh, and so that's the gamble. Are you willing what are you willing to give up for him? And you know, where are you in regards to whether you believe he's a good influence or not, but he also he can he can put it in the bucket, he's versatile, he does all these type of things. You gotta find someone who's willing to make that trade and you gotta decide that he's not gonna destroy your franchise and that somehow he's not a bad bad apple, but he's also eight million, nine million dollars a year, I think. So it's crazy to watch what's happening with these numbers and it's why I keep saying I think I would play the trade market rather than the free agency market. Uh, one aspect that has not been talked about with Kevin Durant at all is that Russell Westbrook is a free agent next year. And so or it's not that it hasn't been talked about. uh, I just think it hasn't been emphasized enough. Uh, Fred Katz brought this up on Locked on Thunder. But Durant's a free agent this year. Westbrook's a free agent next year. Now they could do the one year and go for it again and then decide they're both leaving after that. But there's some level here where Durant actually needs to check in with Westbrook and find out, and I don't know what their relationship is, whether or not he's coming along for the ride and how much longer he's got in Oklahoma City. And if for some reason Westbrook kind of says, you know what, I think I'm going to L.A. uh, to go play for the Lakers, then Durant's gone. And by the way, if Durant signs somewhere else, Westbrook owns all the cards. Westbrook at that point suddenly says, hey, uh, I'm not re-signing. could announce publicly, I'm going to go get the max deal from the Lakers. Like, there's so much money, he doesn't have to worry about Or I'm going to the Knicks. Wherever he announces he wants to go, it eliminates the trade market for him completely. And so then the Lakers... You know, he forces Sam Presley to call the Lakers and say, hey, we'll take D'Angelo Russell, you take Russell Westbrook, and maybe that's the deal. And then the Thunder, frankly, rebuild quite well with D'Angelo Russell, Victor Oladipo to determine what they want to do with Dion Waiters, who evidently has a marketplace of teams that are after him, uh, with Ennis Canner Stephen Adams, and suddenly they've rebuilt their franchise relatively quickly uh, to their credit, uh, really enormously to their credit, frankly, uh, on things. All right, so... Uh, I want to take a different perspective for a minute on uh, two players that are free agents. Uh, Bradley Beal a restricted free agent. Uh, this is from All Ball 365. They do really good work. And he's going to get the max. Like, Washington's going to have to max him. Uh, I've mentioned before he's the one free agent out there that I think if I was the Jazz, I would go take a wild card for and then figure it out. Though looking at our salary cap situation, it's tough enough. I'm not sure I, it's even worth that. Uh, and getting George Hill might change that a little bit. Uh, but So he's just turned 23. He's shot 52% effective field goal percentage. Effective field goal percentage weighs three-point shots. That's 40th amongst guards. He was 26th in three-point percentage amongst guards. This will be a max contract. Zach Levine and Josh Richardson are the only guards younger than Beal to shoot a higher effective field goal percentage and three-point percentage. Okay, so there's a youth thing going on there. But Beal was supposed to be like the next Ray Allen. He has not shown that he's the seventeenth most efficient shooting guard in the NBA last season. Jeremy Lamb and Sean Kilpatrick are right next to him. His efficiency was just was was about four percent higher than the average player. Okay, so his strength he's only okay at. Now I, I do think he's twenty three years old, and I do think he'll come around. But I still think this is worth the note. Beal did not crack the top sixty five in rebounds, assists, or steals percentage. The Wizards were one percentage more efficiency on offense with Beale on the court this season and three percent less efficient on defense. And if John Wall's not on the court, Beals really struggles. And then the final thing on Beals, he's missed twenty five percent of the potential games he could play. And that's we're maxing that. That's not a no brainer. I mean I think it's what you gotta do, but it's not a no brainer. And by the way, pack player, he's a .2. Last year, he was a .2 pack player. That could get better. I mean, But you really, if you're going to max him, you need him to become J.J. Reddick pack player, which is top five in the league. The year before, he was a minus .4, so there's been a level of improvement there. Okay, the flip side is Dwight Howard, who has become kind of persona non grata. What are you going to do? Don't want to give him a lot of money. All those kind of things. But if you dig into Dwight Howard last year a little bit, his usage rate is down 20% lower than the previous season. He only averaged 14 points a game, which was 71st in the league, lowest scoring average he's had since he was a rookie, but he also puts up 15. Prior to that, he had averaged 15 points in 10 straight years. Well, he didn't get the ball. He shot on 13% of his possessions this season, he 24% lower than last season and 20% lower than his career average. This is, again, from all-ball 365. He still shot 62%, second in the NBA. shot 71 inside three feet. 17% of his points came off offensive rebounds and 15% in the league, 15% uh, in the league in offensive rebounding percent. So he's still a force in offensive rebounding, still a force around the basket, If used correctly. And he's got to play along, right? He's got all his flaws. He won't pick and roll. He's got all these other things that are his problems. But it's interesting to me that Beal is like a no-brainer because he's young and developing, and Howard we've soured on. A few other notes for you around free agency. Dwayne Wade says he's going to explore other opportunities. Frankly, from a jazz standpoint, I think that one's really fascinating. Is there any reason you would just lay out... All your money for one year, two years of Dwayne Wade and add him to the mix. Uh, I mean, it's really weird, very contrary to everything we're doing, but maybe. Uh, Chandler Parsons evidently won't be offered the max from the Mavericks right away. He'll have to work the market. Mo Harkless, who's another one of these multi-positional players, supposedly being talked about around $12 million a year. The start, a starting position average right around starter is, is evidently going to be around 15 to 17 million. But the trick is that the, you're still going to be two or three max players and then filling out the final 20 or 30% of your salary with the rest of the players so that when you start paying 15 to 20 million or 12 to 20 million between these kind of players that aren't that are mid-level, it's going to be very, very hard to fill out your whole roster. There's going to be a real art that has to happen uh, with this. And by the way, on Dwight Howard, he's supposedly meeting with Atlanta and Boston on the opening day of free agency, which starts this Friday. This has been Locked On Jazz, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. If you'd like to advertise in the program, send me an email at dlock09 at gmail.com. The Locked On Podcast Network is up and running with all sorts of other podcasts. Now that you're done with this one, which I greatly appreciate you listening to, go ahead and click over to the Locked On Podcast channel on Audio Boom or subscribe to any of the others and check out the latest edition of Locked On Celtics about Kevin Durant and Al Horford. Locked On Thunder coming your direction today in the first edition of Locked On Knicks. Thank you very much for tuning in to Locked On Jazz, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.